Welcome to Future of Freedom. I'm your host, Scott Bertram. Future of Freedom is a production of America's Talking Network. You can check out all of our great podcasts at americastalking.com. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. We bring you interviews today from different sides of the debate over the need for term limits in the U.S. House and Senate. In a little bit, we'll be joined by Dr. Adam Carrington, Associate Professor of Politics at Hillsdale College. First, we talk with Nick Tombolides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits. You can find more at termlimits.us. Nick, thanks for joining us. Happy to be with you, Scott. Thank you so much. As we begin our discussion about the concept and idea of term limits for for U.S. Congress, I wanted to give you the opportunity to explain a little bit the concept behind term limits, why you think they work, why term limits for congressional members and and Senate members? Well, I think uh, in its most uh, basic sense, term limits is simply the idea that in a republic, it should be the people who are governing our country rather than a permanent political class. I mean, that's the model that we had in, the, in America for a majority of our history. We had citizen legislators who would come to Washington with the right ambitions. They had no plan to uh, stay there for a very long time. Their role was really to change the system before it could change them and to do what's right, to reflect the wishes of their constituents, and then come home to live under the laws that they made. Um, and as part of this process, we had people serving from all sorts of walks of life. Um, you know, we had farmers, shoppers, innkeepers, attorneys, uh, who would bring their unique expertise to government, um, you know, make the, the necessary changes that we needed. And then again, return home and uh, allow for new voices and new ideas to emerge. You know, but over time, what has happened is our government has mutated into a permanent political ruling class of folks who have stopped serving the public's interests and have only uh, focused on their own self-interest of enlarging their power, raising money, getting reelected, building empires in office, uh, in some worst case scenarios, uh, abusing the position for financial gain or, or personal gain. And as a result, uh, Congress is distracted from the very real problems that our nation faces. You know, we were told many years ago that uh, if you just allow these political experts to spend decades in office, uh, they would become so good at this that they would begin to solve all of our problems. But as it turns out, the opposite is true. Everything has gotten worse. I mean, we've got a healthcare system. Uh, that is a disaster. We've got an immigration system that is a disaster. These supposed political experts cannot even uh, pass a budget for more than a few months to keep the government running. They've been running the the system on these continuing resolutions for uh, decades, frankly, so they don't even follow their own rules, uh, much less the rules the rest of us have to follow. And so with term limits, the idea is let's give government back to the people again, Uh, Let's remove some of these 20, 30, 40-year career politicians who are all about self-service as opposed to public service. And uh, let's give new people a chance to emerge. Uh, Obviously, the power of incumbency is ridiculous. 
Uh, Congress has a 10% approval rating, but a 98% re-election rating. That's a sign of a horribly dysfunctional and broken system, but it happens because of these incumbent advantages. So with term limits, you neutralize the advantage of the incumbent. You get an open seat uh, on a regular basis every six years or so, and you allow for new blood and, and new ideas to emerge, people who really have the the guts and the knowledge to fix our country. So that's really what it's all about. All right, let's uh, drill down to some questions on the concept sure. and execution of term limits. The, the idea of experience, if there are less experienced or inexperienced lawmakers in the House and the Senate, do you worry we run the risk of handing off more power to an expanding executive branch uh, of a regulatory state that never or rarely replaces its members? Is there, is there a worry there's too much power then entrusted into those entities? Not in the slightest. I actually, I think it's the opposite uh, because the experience we have in Washington today it's the wrong type of experience. As Ronald Reagan once said, the only uh, experience you get in politics is how to be political. <laughs> and you know we're seeing the results of that. Uh, on average, members of Congress are spending five, six hours a day raising money for their next reelection so that they can keep their political career going, as opposed to actually helping us manage the ship of state and uh, helping us rein in this out of control administrative state. Now, People will often blame term limits for bureaucracy, but when you look at the biggest bureaucracy of all time that's ever been created, the U.S. federal government, it's 400 different departments, agencies, and sub-agencies. All of those agent, all of that was created by career politicians. Mm -hmm. All of the enabling laws, um, all of the funding comes from career politicians because Congress has never had term limits. So I think if we're going to point a finger, if we're going to put anyone on trial for the crime of uh, creating an unaccountable, bloated, bureaucratic administrative state, it would be the careerists in Congress as opposed to term limits. Um, and part of that is by design, because when you need to raise money all the time, when you're constantly worried about your political career as opposed to public service, you have to, by necessity, delegate your job to someone else. So it's all part and parcel. The fact that Congress is motivated by self-preservation is the reason why we have the out-of-control bureaucracy. And term limits would actually help us rein it in by giving us some, some real-world experience and perspectives. I'm certain you've heard this question before, but aren't elections a form of term limits in which voters can turn out representatives they don't like or don't want representing them. And a, a sub-question below that, do term limits take away the power from voters by, by limiting choices? If they truly like someone who's been in office for 12 years, however long it's been, and want them to continue, are we doing a bad thing by taking away the choice of allowing them to, to stay? There is this notion that's been proffered by uh, opponents of term limits, and I, I don't think the American people are buying it because 87% of Americans support term limits, according to the most recent Pew survey. It's the most popular and, and bipartisan issue in the country. Uh, but this notion that we have an unlimited right to elect whomever we want at any time we want, uh, it, it's not really that's not really an American principle. Uh, we've always had parameters governing who can run for office. So for example, we might have a very brilliant, enterprising 31-year-old uh, who would make a great statesman, 
But our constitution says that person cannot be elected president, regardless mm -hmm. of how many people would like to vote for them. Um, you know, for example, someone who lives in Nevada cannot be elected to Congress from Florida, even if a majority of people in that district want that person to, to be elected. So we've always had qualifications. We've always had ballot access restrictions, parameters around our republic uh, to protect our democracy, really. Uh, you know, there's a, a reason why the president should be a natural born citizen. No, and the, the those who attack term limits for limiting choices uh, never call for a repeal of these existing uh, restrictions and qualifications for office because they understand that it's a part of the bedrock of our uh, democracy. But for some reason, they, they do have a quarrel with term limits and limiting choices. But here's the deal. 90% um, of congressional incumbents are either running totally unopposed mm -hmm. or functionally unopposed every two years because they might have a challenger, but it's somebody who can't compete with the millions of dollars the incumbent has. It might just be uh, like a gadfly candidate who's not running a serious campaign. And so when you look at these elections, we have, um, you know, people like Sheila Jackson Lee, who've been in office uh, for eternity, mm -hmm. they basically are running unopposed every two years because they are such powerful incumbents. When you have term limits, you get open seat elections and like 10 or 15 people are running. Voters have real choice at the ballot box. In fact, a study of uh, term limits at the state legislative level showed that states that implemented term limits increased the number of choices for voters on election day because an open seat generates the most competition. So I get again, I think this is an issue of projection where it's really the incumbents who are keeping choices off of your ballot, not term limits, because incumbents have such a monopoly, they have such a stranglehold over those seats uh, that it puts a chilling effect on uh, other aspirational citizens who would otherwise run if there were not these barriers to entry. Nick Tumbledees is with us, executive director of U.S. Term Limits, more at termlimits.com. The recommendation from your organization is six years in the House, 12 years in the Senate as a limit for time in Washington. Why those particular numbers? What, what's special about those? In devising those numbers, um, there's a bunch of things that go into the calculus, one of which is those are the limits the American people support. When you ask Americans how long someone be, should be able to serve in the House, about 65% of them, regardless of party, say it should be six years or fewer. In fact, the most popular limit is actually two terms, which would be four years. Uh, most people look at the term limit we have for the president and 36 governors, 15 state legislatures, and they say, if eight years is good enough for the leader of the free world, why would any member of the U.S. House need more time than that? So six years is, is the choice of the people. It also reflects the framers' vision for the House because the House was supposed to be very democratic, very rough and tumble. They wanted competitive elections. There's a reason there's only a two-year term for the House. The framers of the Constitution expected a lot of turnover there. So the House was supposed to be the democratic body. Uh, in the Senate, we opt for a 12-year term because, number one, that's the fewest years you can accomplish while allowing people to be reelected. But number two, the Senate was intended to be more deliberate, a little bit more independent from the people. You know, it was modeled after the House of Lords. The Senate initially had no elections at all. They were appointed by state legislatures. 
I think it's part of it is the public wants it. Uh, the other part is that is uh, what the framers' vision for these chambers was, and we're trying to uh, reflect their wisdom. You allude to the fact there are states that have term limits in place. What are yep. the results that we see from states that have implemented term limits, and are they delivering on the promises that are being made? Absolutely. Uh, so what we're seeing, there was a study by uh, Randy Holcomb, Florida State University professor, who looked at um, the rates of spending in states with term limits and without, did a regression analysis and found that term limits had a statistically significant impact on reducing spending in the states. There have been studies that show term limits have actually reduced bureaucracy in the states. Bureaucrats under term limits don't have as much leeway to just implement laws as they see fit. They have to follow the rule of law as prescribed by the legislature. If you look at studies of how much legislators are voting for in terms of spending, you also see that the longest serving lawmakers vote for the most spending and vice versa. So if you can cut them off at the pass, you might be able to institute a lot more fiscal responsibility. And that's what uh, the academic literature has shown us at the state level. Congress is unlikely to vote themselves out of a long-term job with, as you point out, pretty good job right. security if you're an incumbent. So is this all just uh, idle speculation or are there mechanisms in place to actually implement these term limits without involving Congress in their job? There are. Uh, you can't cut Congress totally out of the equation, but what you can do is you can advocate for um, an Article Five convention because the amending clause in the Constitution actually gives you two means of amending the Constitution. The first is, as you alluded to, the two-thirds support in Congress, which is like getting turkeys to vote for Thanksgiving. It's very <laughs> unlikely. The, the second option is you go to the states, you have state legislatures vote for uh, a convention, Article Five convention, uh, limited to the topic of term limits for members of Congress. And when you do that, the states can effectively do an end run around Congress and obtain constitutional amendments that might cut against the self-interest of the swamp. But the most likely outcome of this is, and we've had uh, six states that have passed this resolution for a term limits convention and many more are on the way. But the most likely outcome of this is as we reach a critical mass with states coming out for the term limits convention, Congress will see the writing on the wall and they will feel compelled to propose the amendment themselves. We've seen that happen before in American history. Uh, it happened with the 17th Amendment for direct election of senators. It happened with uh, the 22nd Amendment to, to a lesser extent with presidential term limits. Um, but what will happen is as states put that pressure on Congress, as they obtain more, more and more leverage with these convention bills, Congress will be forced to report out an amendment eventually, but they won't do it without that external pressure. Nick, final question. Is there a half measure you might find acceptable? I'll ask in this matter, what if there were term limits on leadership positions in Congress or the Senate for House Speaker, for Senate Majority Leader, Positions like that that control a lot of the levers inside those caucuses, is that a half measure you might find acceptable? I mean, I would find it acceptable as a step in the right direction, but I still don't think that would alleviate uh, the necessity of changing our 
um, permanent political ruling class into a citizen legislature. I mean, you have to remember there are so many brilliant. Right now, we have a, a Congress basically of professional lawyers, mm-hmm. lobbyists, and career politicians. Many of them were career politicians before they got to Congress. Like they were aldermen or they were state legislatures, state legislators. Now they, they stay on that trajectory. We have people who can see themselves spending 20, 30, 40 years in office with a term limit. We would transform Congress entirely because we would open it up to people from all walks of life who have uh, you know, vocations who have businesses and passions and a real career, um, and but who are also very concerned about uh, the direction of our country and, and wanting to make a change. Those people right now would not ever consider running for Congress because they can't see themselves spending decades in the seat trying to accumulate clout, you know, trying to win favor with leadership. But if there were an avenue for an ordinary citizen to spend a short amount of time in Washington, get things done, accomplish their goals, and then return home to go back to doing whatever it is they love, you would see an entirely new array of people running for Congress with new and diverse experience. You'd have physicians working on your healthcare policy. You'd have education professionals working on education and so forth. It wouldn't just be career politicians and lobbyists who have no experience in these areas. So I think Yes, it would be a step in the right direction to get leadership term limits. But if we really want to return Congress to its roots as a citizen legislature, you need a constitutional amendment applying to all of them. Nick Tumbledides, he is executive director of U.S. Term Limits. You can find more at termlimits.com. Nick, thanks so much for joining us here on The Future of Freedom. Great to be with you. Thanks, Scott. Now to hear another side of the argument about term limits, we talk with Dr. Adam Carrington, Associate Professor of Politics at Hillsdale College. Dr. Carrington, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Continuing our conversation on term limits for Congress, polling says that people kind of like this. Uh, Strong majorities are in favor, 70%, 80%, depending on the polling and and the wording of the question, of course. And you're saying, well, no, you don't. Uh, why? Why not? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. Um, I think that in some ways you could just say there's already a term limit for all these offices and those are elections. And the fact that there is such a high reelect rate in the mid to high 90s often for Congress, for example, more exposes that the people seem to be fine with uh, uh, making that decision and making that decision that creates these sort of career politicians, it's often the argument against them. So that would be my argument for why maybe they don't. Uh, I do have some arguments on maybe why they shouldn't as well, but (laughs) just purely on why they don't, that would be my first answer. If we go back a little bit, the founders did not impose term limits, did not include term limits. Did they talk about it, discuss it? What did they say about the possibility of of term limits when the country was, was, was started? They didn't talk a whole lot about the particular question of putting those limits in. Now, there were, for example, in proposals for the Constitution, the uh, um, the New Jersey plan, for example, that was an alternative to the, the main plan they were debating, there were the idea of having one-term presidents, for example, seven years, you're out, mm-hmm. and therefore not being able to be re-eligible. Uh, you did have uh, something similar for uh, proposals for Congress. 
But they ended up rejecting all of those. And I think one of the classic defenses of why comes in the Federalist Papers on the presidency, where Alexander Hamilton slash Publius makes the argument that re-eligibility is much more preferable because it allows the people, if they like someone, continue them. If not, elect them out. Uh, that the, those kind of term limits could undermine stability in government. It could undermine having the right man at the right time for office. Um, and that uh, for, for all those reasons, they did consider them but ended up rejecting them. So we don't have term limits for any constitutionally created office uh, in, within the government. In most professions, experience is seen as a good thing. You learn more about your craft. You learn more about policy. In the case of Congress, you learn more about how things work and rules and regulations. It seems the longer someone is in Congress, the less effective they are, at least to a majority of people who, who say they like their own congressman, but don't like the way Congress is acting in, in general. Mm -hmm. Is term limits not an answer to changing the way that Congress operates? Right. I, I see the desperation, right, uh, and people's dissatisfaction with Congress in general. But I think the problems are more fundamental and come from a different place where Congress basically is bad at legislating. <laughs> and you sort of hit on what some of the defenses against term limits say, though. Uh, if you go back to the founders, they said you don't wake – you are not born a legislator. You're, they are created, right? Uh, it is a skill set to write a law well. And that's where you can see these laws that you may agree with the purposes of. They're written really badly. And then what happens? Unintended bad consequences. So this art and skill of legislation does take some experience to develop and do. Why is that not the answer now, you know, even though you have 30 or 40 year politicians, I think it's because Congress has quit trying to legislate. And by quitting trying to legislate, and that has more to do with the rise of the bureaucracy, that has more with the, 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 the factors of not wanting to take the blame for legislation. Uh, but I don't think that has anything to do with how long they're there. If anything, I think if you had a very inexperienced uh, Congress, by statute or by constitutional amendment, it really would be, mm -hmm. things would actually be worse. Uh, you And I think in particular, Congress would even be less powerful because the people that are around would be the ones that really could dictate how legislation was written, mm -hmm. which I think further strengthens the bureaucracy. It further strengthens um, special interests that are lobbying because they're the ones that are actually going to be around long enough to know something and can push their views on an inexperienced Congress. So I think they're articulating a perfectly legitimate concern. I don't think how long people are there is the problem. It's these other factors. Dr. Adam Carrington with us here on The Future of Freedom. Uh, the, the incumbent advantage, is it a real effect in our elections? And does it in some ways prevent what would be a, a natural turnover of congressional members? Mm -hmm. It depends. Uh, yes, there are inherent advantages to being in charge or being there. You, you have name recognition that maybe another candidate wouldn't have. You have the ability to do something in the office. Often people will take, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know as opposed when it comes to they've not completely ruined the office. So maybe we should continue them. Uh, at the same time, 
being in a popular government, we like change. We get frustrated. Mm -hmm. It is, and especially in this environment, we're running as anti-establishment or running as against the system has become even more today a winning argument, a winning posture, a winning set of talking points. I think that incumbency advantage as a pure advantage for an incumbent is even less than it maybe used to be. And the reason that incumbents tend to stay tends to be more that um, they, they reflect the values of at least a majority of their voters. We look at leadership in the House and Senate, and generally those are people who have been there an awfully long time, and sometimes they're 70, 75 years old. Would term limits help move us from a seniority-based system to more of a merit-based system when it comes to who's running things in Congress? It would have to, well, it would have to move away from a seniority-based system. And you can see this, by the way, in state legislatures. There's a number of state legislatures uh, that have term limits on their legis on the people that are in the, 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 their uh, general assembly. But um, the question is, would it be merit-based? Um, because do you, on one hand, you don't have long enough to build up seniority. On the other hand, do you have long enough to build up a track record mm -hmm. to actually show your merit. So I, I'm not sure that it wouldn't be merit-based or what would the merit be? It would not be skill in legislating. We all know legislation is long, laborious. It takes time to get through a good bill, to write it, to send it through committees, to debate it, to get it signed by the you know, the president. Um, it seems to me that it would be more superficial factors that would come in. You know, did you get a viral YouTube uh, screed at a committee meeting? Uh, <laughs> did you raise a bunch of money? You know, are you someone who's seen as a potential leading presidential candidate, which would be bad because then the person's not really thinking about Congress. They're thinking about, you know, the, 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 the another office and another branch. So while it would possibly undo the problem of pure seniority, you just stick around long enough, you get a bigger chair. I don't know that it wouldn't replace it with very superficial and shallow markers, mm -hmm. especially if it's really short, if we're talking as what's been usually proposed, 6, 10, 12 years. Are we an outlier at all among democracies when it comes to term limits? No. Um, if you look, for example, I think the best place to look for us is, is Great Britain, who doesn't have term limits as far as the House of Commons. And uh, uh, other, I mean, it is a mixed story in, if you go to Europe and some of their, their uh, particular legislative bodies, but it is not in any way, we're not an anomaly. Uh, we're not standing athwart the rest of the Western world completely at odds with them. Some have adopted it. Uh, some have not. I would argue, though, other than parliament in, in Great Britain, the House of Commons, uh, no one else really has the length of a continuous legislative body as we do. Mm -hmm. So to some degree, even if we were an anomaly, that would actually be even more in our favor because of how we've been able to maintain uh, the, 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 the ability of our constitutional system to have one legislative branch, one republic, for which that legislative branch is, is, is making laws. Some states have imposed term limits on, on state legislators for their, for their bodies, including as we uh, sit here in Michigan. 
What have we seen from those results? Do you see trends there that would lead you to say that that's, there are some good consequences, good outcomes from imposing term limits at all? Good outcomes, I would say that it does bring in new blood and that that can be helpful. It does maybe make some legislators more aggressive. If they're going to get anything done, they need to do it as fast as they can. I, I would say, though, those come with equal to worse drawbacks. Um, and I think that uh, uh, the it has weakened the legislative branch vis-a-vis the executive. And I think if we've l- seen anything over the last few years, executives already have outsized power and advantage over the legislative branch, both at state levels and national levels. And we saw this especially with the interactions over COVID regulations between the two. Um, So if anything, this would be a bad time for that. If we were in a state, and we have been in the history of of America, where the legislative branch were domineering the executive, uh, I think there might be even a more of an argument on those grounds. But that's not really what we're seeing. And I think if anyone looks, if anything, the the governors and and presidents have outsized power vis-a-vis the legislatures. Would you uh, consider instead of a term limit in an age limit to say at a certain age, you are ineligible to run for this office anymore. I would be more open to that, but I still think there's a problem with, and this actually came up about Supreme Court having an age limit for the Supreme Court and the Federalist Papers that were defending the Constitution talked about that and said, there, you, human beings are too different. Hmm. And the difference meaning some are going to maintain their mental vigor, vitality, and ability much longer. Right. Some are going to lose it much earlier. And setting an arbitrary age might be inadequate for that. I think maybe a possible better thing might be, at least within the legislature, could you have term limits as they often do now for um, uh, uh, committee chairmanships or for speakerships. So you don't lose the ability of that person to be part of the legislative branch, even a leader in the legislative branch, but possibly you shake up the particular leadership roles people are having so that the conversation can have some continuity and some change mixed together. Would you be in favor of revisiting the term limits set on the presidency? Is that a special case at a different argument altogether? No, I I actually remember there was a book arguing against the 22nd Amendment, and the foreword was written by none other than Ronald Reagan <laughs> as he was a sitting president, uh, so maybe self-interested. No, I, I, in fact, I, I think with the presidency, you in particular want stability in the administration of the laws, even more so than in legislation. And I think that uh, uh, if if someone wants to, uh, if the P- American people wanted someone to serve more than two terms, that should be up to the American people. And I think in this way, you could almost have your cake and eat it too. The example that George Washington set of leaving voluntarily after two terms was only really broken by FDR, Mm -hmm. which resulted in the 22nd Amendment. So in the end, even though I'm saying if Americans wanted a third term, the traditions and the and the uh, uh, and the pr- past practice i think would actually make that rare and i think the american people with even shorter attention spans than they had in 1787 1788 are pretty likely to be tired of a president after 8 years anyway so it might be a moot point whether the 22nd amendment should be lifted or not 
Dr. Adam Carrington, Associate Professor of Politics at Hillsdale College. You can find him on X at Carrington AM. Dr. Carrington, thanks for joining us here on Future of Freedom. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. We thank both of our guests for joining us on today's show. Nick Tombolides is Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits, more at termlimits.com, and Dr. Adam Carrington, Associate Professor of Politics at Hillsdale College. For additional episodes of the Future of Freedom podcast and other fine podcasts from America's Talking Network, check out americastalking.com or anywhere you find your audio. Thank you for listening to Future of Freedom, presented by America's Talking Network.